Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay, as always. Christian, are the Avs back? We're getting dangerously close to saying they're back. Very, very, very close. Um, This next coming week with games is going to be very, very telling of where this team's at right now. But right now, hell yeah, they're they're feeling pretty good. Yeah, so the Avalanche, they take care of business against the Detroit Red Wings. They win 6-3 to on home ice for two consecutive regulation wins, something they have not accomplished in over two months but they pick up a real nice win and six to three i think is pretty generous for the red wings the the avalanche dominated this game yeah they, they dominated this game there were moments though whereas like detroit did have some bad luck this could have very easily been like a six five game if some bounces would have gone detroit's way but i mean the abs finally seem to get the the hockey gods back on their side a little bit in these last two games yeah especially these last two games the avalanche finally have some shots go in the net they get a couple of calls going their way they finally don't have their goals overturned uh very nice change of pace than what this losing streak has been i mean for sure that lekkanen goal that first one two weeks ago that definitely would not have counted i mean even against chicago that did that we that literally didn't count so like it was good to finally see a call where you're like okay maybe maybe we're, we're catching a little bit of a break here um because i don't know about you i for sure thought they were going to call that back i mean it just with goalie interference there's literally no point in ever guessing it's just a flip of a coin this time it went in the abs favor next time will it we literally have no idea yeah tbd (laughs) tbd on that but uh yeah i mean it was i mean to me it seemed pretty clear cut uh it was uh why am i blanking on his name uh uh, blah blah blah. The Red Wings goaltender. Oh, Billy Huso. Yeah, Huso. Oh, Jesus. I was thinking of the second one that came in. I was like, wait, wait that wasn't Broberg. Um, but his name's not even Broberg. It's something with an H. I'm oh, just Helberg. Yeah, it's something with a Berg. Christians had a long day at work. Yeah, burned out by people making choices out of his control. So yeah, just give him a give him a minute yeah, to a little bit of grace here. He's but a, he's, uh, I he's mean, a cold Huso, starting car right now. Yeah, <laughs> Huso is. Uh, 
he's out of the crease and McKinnon hits him out of the crease. So I, I actually agreed with the call. I think if that would have gone against the Avs, where like that happened to us, I think we all would have been kind of in agreement. Like, yeah, I mean, he's outside the crease. There's not much you can do there. Yeah. Um, and I, I probably so, would have been grumpy about it, but I mean, we're, I mean, according to some reviews we're we're, we're just crybabies. So yeah. um, it, it's, it's just, it's part of the, part of the job. Um, but the Avs get out to an early one nothing lead. I thought they started really well in this game against Detroit. I thought it was uh, it was good to see them actually carry over the momentum from the game against Ottawa because they're definitely uh, we had talked about a potential letdown because they were so good against Ottawa. No, didn't didn't have to worry about that one bit. Yeah, this looked like the Avs of last year on back to back nights. Didn't start totally perfectly. The Red Wings outshot them about five to one the first couple minutes. Ever since that Lekkonen goal, just the the wave washed over the Red Wings, and they really seemed kind of outmatched by everything. The Avs' top six seemed to be rolling again. Bound the Chushkin back for this game, and once again, you see the difference immediately with him in the lineup. Even if he's not contributing with a ton of points, he does pick up an assist in this game. Just his presence on the ice makes everyone else a lot more comfortable. I feel like it loosens everybody up. That's what the Avs have been missing for so many weeks now. They just, they're gripping their sticks so tight and everything. They feel like they have so many responsibilities to worry about. And once Val comes back, it just seems like everyone's a lot more comfortable with their jobs. They feel a lot more comfortable in their own jerseys. It's just another reliable player that you can count on. And that's what Val brings. Um, and he looked like when he came back from the, for the first time from this injury, he he didn't look like Val. I Look, thought he looked like Val. Yeah, he 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 was skating well. Uh, he was forechecking like a maniac. And the conditioning is going to come back for him. It will. But man, he he actually looked like the Val we've come to know and love. Yeah. And with stuff like this with lower body injuries, you got to be real careful because if if you're rushing that guy back from injury this stuff can add up real quickly. So I'm glad they at least didn't force him through playing through the first one and gave him a little more time to heal because this looked like the Val we've become accustomed to. Yeah. And it, it sounds like it was more just uh, like the skate was causing him pain. So I don't know if they got him a new skate, uh, what they did, but they, they gave him that extra. Cause he was out probably what, like two weeks, almost two weeks. Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he came back and he actually looked like the Val we thought he would be and like you said he i i wouldn't say he's the most valuable player on the abs but he is probably the most important player um because he just drives so much offensively and defensively for this team um and we finally got to see the val and lecky penalty kill unit that we came to know and love in last year's playoff run yeah they're just so so effective together it's just always great to see val back in the lineup and after this Lekkonen goal set up by Makar and Tay, it's good to see them getting back on the board. Like I said, the Avs just completely ran away from this game from here. And he had Frankie starting this game again. He makes some big saves in the first period. And Kale Makar, is this maybe not his best game this season because he's had a couple of good ones? I'd say his most ideal game of the season where he picks up two big goals, three points, and for the first time this season, plays under 20 minutes. Is that not the perfect Kale McCarr game right now? Yeah, it's almost scary to think what he would have done if he played 30 minutes today. Because he he was he was fantastic, man. And it's not that Kale's like it's funny that we're saying like Kale's had a little bit of a doubt. He, he's still a point per game, but we're oh, yeah. still like ah, he's he, he's kind of missing something. Like yeah, he's I just mean, he's just not there yet. Yeah, when we talk about Kale McCarr, is like oh, Kale McCarr is back. That's not saying that Kale McCarr has been bad. It's saying Kale McCarr has been a top five defenseman yeah. right now. 
and not the the absolute runaway Norris favorite that we've all become kind of accustomed to right. every single night. This is the Kale McCarr that if he shows up like that every single night, it's not a question as to who wins the right. night. It's Kale McCarr every time, every year, every night. Right yeah. now, it's a debate as to who wins the Norris, which is why we're saying Kale McCarr is back. Because if Kale McCarr is like this for the rest of the season, it's over. Yeah, it, he's going to catch Carlson pretty easily, in my opinion. Um, but it, it it was good to see, like, he's been jumping up into the play, I feel like, pretty regularly, but it hasn't been quite successful. Against Detroit, everything was working for him. Yeah. He was cycling the puck. He was going full Kale McCarr, just skate around the own Detroit zone. <laughs> and it was... It was awesome to see. I mean, that that goal he scored, uh, it was a power play goal, which, hell yeah, power play got going. That's something two, we'll talk about. Two yeah, power, we had play two goals power plays. Game. Two. By both unheard units. Of. Yeah, unheard of. Um, at, let's be quite frank. It was kind of a lucky shot. I don't know how Huso didn't save that one on the Kale McCarr's first one. Like, that's that, that's one you need to save. Um, well, we just talked about it. Val, very nice screen. Yep. In front. I mean, for a guy coming off a lower body injury, he is very much not afraid to be standing in front of Gail McCarr's shots, and I admire him. I do too. Um, but that screen created a a good chance for McCarr, and he he gets the power play goal. And I we talked a little bit about it in the Ottawa. Like the power play still didn't look like great. I, I thought the power play looked pretty dangerous in this game against yes. Detroit, evident by the two goals. This is the best the power play has looked in, I'd say, well over a month. At right. this point, at, at least since November, this looks like the avalanche that we have come to know over the yeah. last 365 days. Ever since the beginning of last season, especially when healthy, this is the abs that we know. Dominant special teams, their superstars coming through to play, they're getting goal support from other guys. And a team like Detroit really should not have a prayer against these guys because I think Detroit's been a little disappointing so far this season with some of the expectations put on them. They're hovering around 500, but they're not really close to the playoffs. Like maybe some of us expected maybe they would be this season. Well, Detroit's problem is Cider and Raymond haven't taken that next step. Yeah, that's the big thing. As someone who drafted Lucas Raymond onto my fantasy yeah. team, he's been a little better. I think he had a pretty good week last week. But He's getting better, but yeah. he he's not – like they haven't taken that step like you yeah. needed them to. It's like, that's, like when people were putting Cider in the elite defenseman conversation already, I was like, Let's see it again first. And right. he's been decent, I would say, this season. I wouldn't go as far as say bad. I'll be honest. I have not paid enough attention to the Red Wings to make a full assessment on Maurice Sider. But I just back to my point before we get too off topic again, because that's what we do. <laughs> I just the Red Wings are a team that's not very equipped to stop the abs. Their defense, like especially Kale McCarr, they have no answer for that. Like McCarr, especially against a team like Detroit, can really just do whatever he wants. They they really can, and there's no one who can stop. Like Detroit's defense on paper should be good, but but it's not. Like it's really not. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what Detroit does going forward. But yeah, I mean their defense isn't very good, and they don't have a single defenseman who can hang with Kale McCarr. They just don't. Like I think they thought Ben Sherratt would be a little different for them than what he's ended up being. How many people do you think like? Do you think Ben Sherratt and like people give like Ben Sherratt the contracts and Erica Brantz and the contracts just because they're big? Yeah, that's well, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. They're big and they're they're physical and everything else be damned. Right. That's kind of what my thought is. I mean, it's funny that Sherratt scored a goal in this game, but um it was like 
if Ben Sherratt's your best defenseman, you're you're not really in in, yeah. in a good spot. And I, I like say, credit to Philip Peronic. He's probably the best defenseman. So you far. just took the words out of my mouth. I do like Philip Peronic. I I yeah. think he's a sneaky good player, but he's a good third or fourth defenseman. He should not be your top defenseman. Yeah, he's a nice breakout candidate, but he should not be carrying the defense on their back. And no. On this losing streak that the Avs were on, they probably end up losing this game. But it seems like, and uh, Rodriguez talked about this after the Detroit game, the Chicago game woke them up like we were kind of hoping it would. It sucks it had to get to that point where you're losing to the Blackhawks. But, you know, maybe sometimes that's just what you need. It's not going to be a win against Edmonton that fully snaps you out of it, and then you start feeling comfortable. Sometimes it just takes rock bottom. Because then, the, like, the difference was immediate. You lose to Chicago and utterly smoke the Senators, come out the next game against the Red Wings. It's 5-1 at the end of the second period. They get two garbage time goals. One's literally garbage time with less than a minute left. Like, 6-3 to three makes this game look a lot closer than it was. The Avs scored 12 unanswered goals at a certain point <laughs> yeah. since the beginning of the Senators game. Like, that's the team we've been waiting for scoring 13 goals in two games rather than 12 goals in five. It, it was the team we've been waiting for. And, and the stars showed up in these past two games. Um, like if you would have told me that Miko Rantanen would have like zero goals in that, in that 13 goal outburst, I, I would have told you you're fucking crazy. He did. He have two. Oh yeah. He had two against Ottawa in Detroit. He was quiet. My fantasy team showed it. Um, yeah. A rare, a rare off one from Rantanen in a night where the Avs score big, which which hurts the heart case. But yeah, nevertheless, he's still at like what twenty three percent of Avs goals so far this season. And I'm hoping that percentage continues to go down while he continues scoring. Um, but like, do you remember? I think it was like maybe early last week or maybe the week before we were talking about how like it's Miko Rantanen has twenty goals or like twenty five goals, and everyone else has like nine. Now we're into like there's like four or five players in double digit goals, so yeah. we're starting to get people waking up. Um, and it's really good. I, I thought the player who really like quietly had a quiet four point day is Nathan McKinnon. Like he, he was fantastic yesterday. And when him and Makar have like the, like they're working with the same brain and they're cycling the puck in, uh, the offensive line and there are zero players on planet earth who can stop that. Yeah, zero. It's, it's such a unique duo. You, you never talk about the center and the defenseman having that kind of chemistry. It's always about like McDavid and Dreisaitl, Backstrom, Ovechkin, Crosby, Malkin kind of thing. You never talk about the forward and the defenseman having that kind of chemistry. It's just such a unique build that I don't really think there's a plan to stop it because how can you, especially when you have a guy like Rantanen, when he's, when there's a night when he's all the way on too, there's just, it, they're dangerous on every facet of the ice. And that's why, so, yeah, that's why I was so baffling as to why they couldn't win for so long, because it's just, you look at that and go, how is this not working? And then it works. And you're like, Oh, that's so much better. It's so much better. Um, and I mean, Nathan McKinnon has been, he's been good. I think he's finally like, we're probably what, like two and a half weeks. He's been back from injury since new year's Eve is when he came back. Pretty much. Yeah. So we're yeah. like, two and a half weeks into him being back and he's he's picked up a very nice string of points here he was scoreless against toronto had two against vegas went scoreless against vancouver ever since then he has just been on a tear he had, went one and one against edmonton he had a goal against florida two assists against the blackhawks we all like to dog on that game but mckinnon was there for that one two assists against Ottawa, and then two and two against Detroit for four points, five shots on goal. McKinnon is here to play. He's fully healed from his injury. He's back. 
and he's you can tell that mate like the 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 endurance is back for him and he's i mean it wasn't like it was bad because he was still playing like 26 minutes but he's been way more effective these past couple games against Detroit i mean the first goal he had yeah it was good but that second goal he had on that breakaway on that 4 on 4 that was vintage nathan mckinnon where it's like i am faster than you and I am better than you, and there is a 0% chance you're stopping me. Like, that was probably the easiest break. Once that breakaway happened, you're like, that's cool. Like, yeah. There's no way this goalie's stopping there, this right There's now. a couple of players in the NHL where you see that breakaway, like, oh, there's no chance. It's like, it's McKinnon, McDavid, and like a few other guys, maybe. But I feel like those are the only two that you really put in that category. When they're on a breakaway, like, yeah, done deal. It's over. <laughs> it's like they score on like 70% of them. When they miss, it's more rare than than yeah. when they score. And I think uh, I think my favorite part about those is like one-on-one with a goalie, like it's it's barely ever super flashy. It's just like the simple flick of the wrist or five hole or something <laughs> like that. It just, they make it look so ridiculously easy. It's so funny. It, he literally like, I don't think the Detroit goalie Helberg even had a chance. Like, I think that was the first shot he faced. And he just, it's like, there. Detroit got a little bit of momentum with that late second period goal and that Ben Chirac goal. And you're kind of like, oh, maybe if the next goal happens here, like they, they could be in it. And then McKinnon scored like 30 seconds later. And you're like, oh, okay, this game's over. We're good. Yeah. Let's just relax. Yeah, it was like wasn't even two minutes after the the Chirac goal. Because like you, you'd seen a couple of close comebacks lately. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think it was... Late last week, was it Dallas almost came back from down 6-1 against uh, Calgary. Calgary. And the Blackhawks were down 6-1 to one after the first period and almost made that game close. So it's not like there hasn't been precedent to that kind of thing. But even then, even after the Chirac, you're like, that's lucky. We're still dominating this game. Then the McKinnon one happens and you're like, we're maybe we're just still a little fresh on the wounds right now from this losing streak. The abs are back for the moment, at least. At least against teams they should be beating, they're taking care of business. Like, my main thing about these last two wins is like, yeah, you can't come out and say, like, oh, the abs are back because they beat Ottawa and Detroit. It's the way they beat them. They smoked Ottawa in every way imaginable, seven nothing. Things totally went right for them. And against Detroit, it was pretty much the same deal, just with maybe a little more luck for Detroit. They get a couple of goals on the board. If these were three to two wins, like ones in a shootout, and like you're down two to one the third period and you score two late ones to win it, like that's a different story. They dominated these games. Mm-hmm. They, they absolutely dominated them. And it was good to see. We, we'd been waiting for it. We knew it was going to happen eventually. We just didn't know when. Um, and you picked two games to do it uh, that were, I think, very, very... Uh, very winnable games and you want them both and you want them in convincing fashion. So I, I, I'm really close to saying the abs are back. If they can go beat Calgary on Wednesday, uh, they're back. They're back. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat right now. I'm going to extend it to the whole like Western North America trip. Cause like usually it's like a Western Canada trip, but Seattle's mm-hmm. not in Canada, obviously. So I'd say if they go at, enough. at bare minimum, two and one on this trip at very least with like one close loss sprinkled in there that shows the process. My favorite word is the process. Win two of those games, especially the one against Calgary. I think that one is the most important here because it's a benchmark game. It's a benchmark game. And also when you get past the halfway point of the season, I think it's okay to start talking about like playoff contention Mm -hmm. games right now. Calgary is the team holding us out of the playoffs at the moment. They're four points up but we four have points ahead. yeah but we have three games in hand 
doesn't get much more important than winning a game in hand against the team that you're behind. You win this game, all of a sudden the playoffs look a lot closer. You have a lot more time and it's going to be a fight for the rest of the season for the Avs to climb back into these playoff pictures. So you got to take it one at a time, beat Calgary, do really well in this road trip, get back into the playoffs and then turn your focus to Minnesota. Agreed. And I, I think they're, think they're going to, if they play like they did in these past two games against Calgary, they'll, they'll be fine. Cause Calgary, like I I've watched a couple of their games recently. Like Markstrom's been bad. He's been bad. So I don't know if they'll start Vladar. Um, and like, I, I that that's a winnable game. It's a very winnable game that if uh if you can keep Curtis McDermott uh, off of the D pair against like a Hoover Doe and Cadre line, you, you'll be feeling pretty good. But um it's gonna be a lot different than the game we saw from the second game of the season. That's for damn sure. Yeah, that one was emotional dump from the Avs. Second game of a back-to-back while the Flames have their home opener with a brand new roster and Nazem Kadri is ready for I don't, I don't even know vengeance, I guess, somehow against the team that he won a Stanley Cup with. Or this prove gonna, him wrong. Prove yeah, him wrong. Prove him wrong game. That's a better way to put it. Uh, but this is going to be a much different game. Both teams are rested. And Calgary, are they going to make the playoffs this year? I think I think now now that we're halfway through, I think it's okay to ask. I I still like their team. Um Seattle being this good really throws a wrench in like everything because now you're talking probably one of, if not the Avs, Oilers, and Flames are going to miss the playoffs as it stands right now. Yeah. Um, because if you go back and look at the predictions, no one predicted Seattle taking a spot. No one. No one predicted them being second in the Pacific at this point in the season, 651 points percentage and a plus 25 goal differential and being second in the Pacific and goals. I don't, I don't think anyone had that on the bingo card. I'm going to be totally honest. Absolutely. No one. So that, that kind of throws in a loop. So one of the three, if you had to make me choose, I'd probably, I can't rule out Edmonton just because of McDavid. So I, I guess I'd have to go flames as the odd man out. Um, I just think they're waiting for that team to gel and it's just not happened yet. And with Markstrom not being particularly great this year or having a Vesna type season, that that's kind of led to them struggling a little bit. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat with that right now. It's just as much as Edmonton's been just okay, I I watch enough Oilers games to be like that team's enough of a threat to make the playoffs. McDavid having the season that he's having, I think enough is alone. He's at 84 points right now or something. I don't see he had a goal. He already has a goal tonight. Yeah, I don't know if how many points he has in this Seattle game, but coming into this game against the Kraken, he had 83 points. I'm sure he's picked up at least one or two in this game against the Kraken. So he's probably at like 84, 85 points this game at the halfway mark of the season. And Dreisaitl is putting up a very good season of his own. As long as Stort Skinner can replace Campbell fine enough, I think the Oilers can do enough to make the playoffs. I can't say the same for the Flames, who are just kind of okay. Well, and Huberto's struggling a lot too. Yeah. I mean, he's that contract, like we thought Kadri would be the bad contract. It looks like Huberto may be the bad contract. I mean, because um, Kadri's been fine for them. Kadri's been fantastic this year. He, he's he's, got, he's continued what he did last year. Yeah. I mean, he's not on the same pace, but he has 17 goals, 18 assists, 35 points in 45 games. And I think it's worth having the conversation of like, would the Avs be better off with Kadri right now? But I don't think the conversation was never what's year one of Kadri's contract going to look like. I think this is a very realistic expectation for what year one of Kadri would have looked like. He's probably going to end up around 
70, 75 points. I think that's pretty. I think that's what we projected he'd be. I think that we said that would be a good year for him if he could, because he wasn't going to replicate what he did last year. And for for $7 million, that's, that's great. I think that's really great value. It's what year four or five of that contract starts to look like when that dips down into the fifties and the forties, and you're still paying that same amount of money. So I've, I've started to see that floated around a little bit. The Avs should have re-signed Kadri. It would have been great. I would never deny that. I would have loved to have Nazem Kadri back at seven times seven, though. I just would have worked. I don't see how that works towards long-term success this season. Nazem Kadri would be third or fourth on the team in points, at the very least second in goals. If he has the exact same stats as he has right now, the Abs would be better with him. That is without question. But you can't lock yourself into that kind of money right now. The Flames kind of didn't have a choice. Yeah, that GM's trying to save his job, so he makes that call. Um, I completely agree. I mean, obviously, like if Nazem Kadri was on this team, the Avs probably wouldn't even be in this situation right now. They, yeah, they, they'd probably still be top three in the division. Without, um, I don't, I don't think they go on that losing streak with if Kadri's still in the lineup. Not at all, because Kadri, like we talk about, just how great he was last season. The guys love him. He's also just a, a fantastic leader. He's just a fire in the locker room that everyone gathers around every single time he plays. But at the end of the day, the salary cap does exist. I would I wish everybody could come back. I have a Burakovsky jersey hanging <laughs> in my room. Trust me. I wish you could just bring back everyone ever, but it's just not you can't. Do you imagine how gross this team would be if the salary cap didn't exist? Yeah. <laughs> it would be sick. Um or it's just one of those things where it's like if Kadri would have signed for like maybe like a three-year deal, which he probably wouldn't have done because he does not make it which money. does no. not make any sense for him to do. No, then you could have maybe made it work, but for the long-term success of this avalanche team to keep this window open longer, you have to make those tough decisions. And I don't like praising Chicago at all because they're a garbage of a franchise, but they handled their championship window. I feel like pretty damn well, like they made the tough decisions and it had to be done. Yeah, and like kind kind of heartlessly, like the way you need to do it sometimes. And not all of their decisions were perfect. Maybe should have held on to Teravainen, but maybe should have held on to Panarin. Yeah, maybe should have held on to Panarin. Like you could tell when the decisions ended the championship window Mm -hmm. in Chicago. Right after 2016, it was like, okay, they're not winning again anytime in the near future. So as long as you're avoiding those decisions, like trading Panarin for nothing because you're worried about what's going to be like two summers from now when you can't re-sign him, you you just simply cross that bridge. Didn't they trade him for Artem Anisimov? It was sod. It was the, the oh sod. Yeah, yeah, they got sod back. Yeah, which I actually like. That's I mean, Panarin's obviously better than sod, but yeah, they traded a like a a heart finalist for Brandon <laughs> yeah. Sod, who is a fine hockey player. But yeah, as long as you're not making those decisions, you'll be fine. But when Chicago if you sign Kadri, that puts you in that situation where you have to trade away. Like you probably would have had to trade away JT Comfort. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where it was a tough decision. I completely agree with what Nas did. Like he he needed to go get his bag. He deserved his bag. And he, he won a cup and then went and got his bag. It's a total victory for Nazem Kadri. Like there has there been a more successful player than Nazem Kadri in the year 2022. Oh, in the year 2022. Was, yeah. Winning is winning a Stanley Cup, having the season that he had and the the success story that he had in the playoffs of getting injured, coming back, scoring the OT winner winning the cup and then just getting a ridiculous amount of money. Like there, yeah, I'd say Berkey had a pretty good year too. Yeah. But not nearly to the point as Kadri. No. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. It's the business side of uh, hockey that none of us like. Um, 
but I, I think it's it, it, you're asking. It, it's a dumb question because yeah, the Abs would be better with Nazem Kadri. He's a good fucking hockey, a great fucking hockey player. But the salary cap exists, and that's just part of it. So um, I'm interested to see how this game goes against Calgary. But uh, there was one player that I, I feel like is quietly that we need to talk about in these past two games, or really in his past like ten games. Sam Gerrard has seven points in eleven games. He he's kind of waking up offensively, which you knew it had to start eventually because he was averaging career lows and assists goals, like everything points per game. Uh, so him getting woken up just adds another dimension to this team offensively that you need because the abs are so it's integral for them to have their demon be involved in the offense. And when it's only Kale McCarr and Devon Taves, you, you, you have one line that's dangerous. And if Sam Gerrard can be even, somewhat dangerous that adds a whole different dimension to your lines yeah and with gerard i wouldn't say he's been like blowing the doors off the way Mm -hmm. he's playing but he's just been quietly picking up points if it wasn't for the chicago game he would be on a six game point streak at the moment and it just seems it's been a roller coaster with gerard this season there's absolutely no questioning that but when he is at his best he is able to contribute offensively he's very good at moving the puck and setting up scoring opportunities And the Avs, they can definitely use that right now, especially as they're missing a lot of guys. I think once Byram and Manson come back, Gerard is going to definitely be all the better for it, at the very least, once he has a lot of the responsibilities taken off him. Because I think now we know with Sam Gerard, maybe not the kind of guy you throw throw out there unsheltered. Absolutely not. And we've kind of seen it like he... He does not need to be on the PK. And like as bad as Manson was on the PK, like he's he's better than Sam Gerard. Like he's better. Yeah. Um and I just really like I feel like we 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 not don't necessarily do it, but Gerard gets a lot of hate, but he's quietly putting together a pretty good streak here. Yeah. Um and I agree with you. Once you get Byron and Manson back, that adds just another layer of like solid defense so that Gerard doesn't have to be so rock solid defensively. Um and if you can get 50 points out of Gerard, which I think is probably unattainable at this point. You have to go on a massive tear. Uh, you're feeling pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, he's sitting at what this season, 12 points so far. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see with Gerard. I think he's been better as of late. The lows are not as low and the highs have been a bit higher for him. This game against Detroit, he definitely seemed a lot better. Against Ottawa, he seemed pretty comfortable. I think it's just a whole team-wide thing. I don't think Gerard's going to be the guy single-handedly coming in there and fixing problems. He's just going to follow the vibe of the team. Yeah, he's a product of the system. If the team's playing well, Gerard's going to play well. If the team's playing bad, you're going to notice the stuff Gerard's doing Right, like he's not going to do what Kale McCarr does and single-handedly come in there and score three points and win you the game. He's going to be a guy who picks up an assist and once every 20 games might pick up a goal or something like that on a point shot. It's what he does. He's very good at moving the puck. He has skills that other defensemen in the league don't have on this team. He's not a top pair guy, but he does have his uses. He does. And it seems like the Byram and Manson injuries are, we're getting closer and closer to them coming back. Byram's still skating, which I think is a very positive thing. Manson practiced with the optional team today for the optional practice. So I think, I think Manson's probably the closer one, but it sounds like Byram's not going to be far behind him. I know Bednar said today on his radio show that they're hoping after the All-Star break, which the All-Star break seems forever away, but it's only, what, like three weeks away? (laughs) It's like like at the end of the month. Yeah, so it's it's coming up quicker. 
Um, and if you can have both those guys back into your lineup after the all-star break, this team's even more dangerous. So um, the D's going to get fixed out. I think the D's actually been playing better. It's going to be interesting what the Avs decide to do for their seventh defenseman. Do you keep a guy like England up or do you keep Brad Hunt? I think right now I'd lean more towards England because he's better defensively. You don't really need an offensive defenseman like Brad Hunt. You need a, a lockdown guy. And that goes without maybe they don't even uh, like that's I'm, still I'm decide sure. traded line if they if they trade for someone. I'm sure Brad Hunt would be flattered to be described as an offensive defenseman, but right. But yeah. that's a skill set more than than lockdown defense. Yeah, I mean, I think either way, I don't think you're too hent up about keeping either one more than the other. It might just be Hunt's playing better right now. Throw him up there. England's playing better right now. Keep him up there, kind of thing. Right. And honestly. Uh, prediction. I don't think it's going to be either one. I think they make, they make a move at the trade deadline and add yeah. the seventh guy. I'd agree. So um, defense looking good. Uh, another player in this Red Wing game that is I thought was fantastic was Evan Rodriguez. I yeah. mean, this dude, this dude just continues to be just as solid as they come. And it helps when you're playing with a guy like Nathan McKinnon and more that likely playing with Makara too. You're well, that, well, that's the thing chances. is not everyone can do that, but having Evan Rodriguez gives you that flexibility to spread talent down the lineup. And right. it's like, this isn't just like, if you throw JT Comfer up there with Nathan McKinnon, he'd be fine, but he doesn't allow McKinnon to do everything that he can do. There's not a ton of chemistry there. Evan Rodriguez fits anywhere in the lineup. And I'm very glad you brought him up because I wanted to talk about this. Just because of his injury, this is not technically a thing. But Evan Rodriguez, when he has played, is on a nine-game point streak right now. The last time he didn't score a point was against Montreal. Ever since then, he's come back after he got hurt against the the Leafs. He came back against Edmonton. He's picked up a point in every single game he's played in. I I had pretty decent expectations for Rodriguez coming into this season. He's blown by all of them to the point where I'm like, I put him above Comper in guys that I think you have to bring back. I'd agree with that. I think he gels more with McKinnon. Um, and him and Lekkinen and McKinnon have been a really solid fucking line. They've been really good. I mean, you got Lecky, who's the hard worker. Rodriguez has more skill than I think people give him credit for. Same with Lekkinen. Like, they have better hands than people give them credit for. And then you have McKinnon, who's a top five player in the world. Yeah. So, um, I really, really like that line. And Rodriguez, just like you said, he just he does stuff where you're like, that's just a really good fucking hockey player. He's just so smart. He has such great hockey IQ and is just able to fit anywhere in the lineup. We've seen it work all season when he's with McKinnon. No problems. He'll feed McKinnon all night and take those open shots every day. When he's on the second line with Comper, he has no issues fitting in right there. Even when this team was more healthy, there was times he was down on the third line. He was perfectly fine there too. There's no issues with Evan Rodriguez, wherever you put him, he fits perfectly on the power play too. He does. And I mean, that the, the assist he had to set up on, uh, on uh GT conference play was just such a smart, like he was just so patient and just waited for Confer to open on that back door on that power play, which by the way, we kind of mentioned we had two power play goals. The second power play unit scored a goal. The second power play unit scored a goal. So we got a power play goal from the top unit and a power play goal from the second unit, which the second unit is probably in most cases going to get what, like 35 seconds max on a power play like that's just nature of the beast with what you're playing like who's on that top pair um but you bump down rodriguez that second unit it creates a world of difference because it's a playmaker on that on that unit um and that's nothing against martin kout but uh rodriguez going on that second unit is a lot more um dangerous than martin kout it's a lot better at spreading out the talent because now you have 
five guys to defend on the power play instead of four. And no offense to Martin Kaut, he never did anything Anything. on the power play. And you see the difference right away because Comfer has a scoring touch this season. We've seen it for the last little while now. Comfer has been scoring some big goals this season. You stick him with Evan Rodriguez, and I think this is a credit to Rodriguez. He fits with him perfectly because that's just what Rodriguez does. Last year, it was Val who fits in perfectly everywhere, and that was kind of a bit of a surprise. And now we know that's what Val is. He's still like that. But Rodriguez has come in here and being like, yeah, we'll see what he can replace. Maybe you can stick him down in the third line. Maybe not a guy you stick up on the top line. You can do whatever you want with him. Absolutely anything you want. And he's been like, like, I just, I I don't really know what you do when everyone gets healthy. I think it's a good problem to have, like figuring out where these lines are, because I, like, don't get me wrong. I thought, I thought Alex Newhook kind of got screwed in this game. I thought he should have gotten some more minutes based on his production against Ottawa, but he's just kind of the odd man out of right now with, with the line when everyone's healthy, like it's nothing against Alex Newhook. I thought he, like you said, he had one of his best games of his career, but who else do you who do you bump down who do you bump down yeah like he is just the odd man out and it's only going to get worse for him once we do start to see Gabe back in the lineup and everything because I think the top six right now outside of the trade deadline and once Landeskog gets back I don't think this changes like I think I, think so just, I think this is just what it's going to be you got the top line of Lekkinen, McKinnon and Rodriguez Nachushkin, Kompfer and Rantanen I think the biggest question is once Gabe comes back who the hell's getting bumped down it's got to be Comfer. I mean, Comfer's. Man, you, would think, you would think so, but would you, do you bump Rantanen or Landeskog to center when Rantanen's been playing so well on the wing? And do you throw Landeskog right into that responsibility when he's been out for so long? Like, I think as much as crazy it is to say, like, it might have to be Rodriguez because there might just be no one else. Because until you either acquire another center, you got no one else to play down the middle at the moment <laughs> other than Alex Newhook. Because if you're bumping comp for down then you got to bring new hook up but then you still have to play Landeskog somewhere or do you start Landeskog on the third line it's a like, good problem to have yeah it's a good problem to have because it's that third line now if you're telling me that it's Rodriguez and new hook and throw in whatever from like Morgan if he's healthy or I've, like I've even completely forgotten about Morgan. yeah like that third line is dangerous and I mean, the fourth line, that Darren Helm injury sucks because Helmer's just so solid on that fourth line, him and Cagliano and O'Connor. I think the problem we were having with like Cagliano and O'Connor is they were playing too much. And it's like, yeah, these guys probably need like 12, 13 minutes max and they'll be fully effective. When they're playing like 17, 18, it's kind of like, well, these guys aren't like, yeah, <laughs> like it's just super other great. team. Other teams start to notice how much those guys are playing. Just like, hey, uh, why don't we get our top line out there? Right. Guys and go see what they can do. And I mean, we should also mention that the abs have changed up their style a little bit. They've gone more towards 11 forwards, seven defensemen over the last little bit. Anton bleed got gets called up and Ben Myers are down on the quote unquote fourth line. They got a respectable amount of minutes. It was about seven or eight minutes each. Oh, but they didn't. I mean, Anton bleed, I think before the third period played like two minutes. Yeah. There, was, there, played. Was, some, there was some score effects happening with some right. of those minutes, especially taking some time off of guys like McKinnon and Rantanen. So probably not as much time as they're going to see over the next little bit. But I think the biggest issue with the forwards right now is you don't have a fourth line. Like you're mentioning that, that fourth line with O'Connor and Cogliano and Helm, that's the third line. That's right? third because line. Right now you have nine forwards essentially that you're playing. And once guys get healthy, that'll be a thing. But, I think for the trade deadline, it begs the question of, do you take the big swing at second line center 
or do you take a bunch of smaller bunts just to fill out your lineup? Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57, and for the NFL Divisional Round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. I think you do the smaller bunts. I think that's going to be more cost effective. Um, and it worked last year. I mean, your, your biggest acquisition was Arturi Lekkinen. And he, from most people, he probably would have been like a, like maybe a top six forward, maybe. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd classify us, that as a big swing considering what you gave up for him. But yeah, I mean, you gave up Justin Barron, but like they're not going to, I think we can rule out. I'll be shocked if they go after a guy like Bo Horvat. I don't think, I don't think Horvat makes sense. Yeah. I mean, Fit-wise, Horvat does make sense. I think Horvat, like, I talked about this, I think, in November. Horvat makes more sense than Giroux did last year because we did not need Claude Giroux. That was that was just dessert. Lekkanen made more sense. If we do trade for Horvat, there is a distinct role for him to play here that he, w- I think, would fit really well with. But with where we are right now with assets, I don't think you want to trade that first-round pick unless, nope. you've got, unless you have a player that is cost-controlled either an RFA or has years on that deal. That's the only way I see that making sense for this team right now. Other than that, I mean, you're not putting your first round pick in there. That's a non-starter for Bo Horvat. You're simply not going to get him unless you're giving up a Lawson or something like that. Right. And that's why I think if we've learned anything with the Avs, they're, they're very hesitant to trade that first round pick. Right. They and like also, having that. And also they're, they're way smarter than us. Like we see Bo Horvat and go, oh, that's a fit for the Avs. What the Avs front office does is they look at the entire thing and they see, oh, Arturi Lekkanen, let's go do that instead of Claude Giroux. They they notice the things that we don't notice and they make the moves that maybe we don't see at the time, but then it happens. You're like, how did we not see that? That just makes so much sense. Yeah, and it's I still think it's a little early for trade market. Like we know Horvat's available. I don't really know who else is going to be available. We're going to get more. Like as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline, which is sneaking up on us, um, but I think the Abs have like bigger problems right now than just one player. I, I think you you be smart with your assets and you acquire guys that are like third and fourth line guys that give your lineup some depth because that's what won the Abs the Cup last year was the depth, and right now they have zero depth, yeah. absolutely zero. Um, so I think. That big swing, I don't see the Avs making it. The Avs are always rumored to make a big swing, and they never do it. Like they they just never do it. Yeah. Like the biggest swing they could say was the Tyson Berry trade, but even then, we yeah, knew that, we were getting filled, the- that filled a role. That wasn't a right deadline thing. That was we have Kale McCarr coming. We don't need Tyson Berry anymore. Nazem Kadri will be the second line center for a couple of years here. That trade just made perfect sense. It wasn't right. an all in move. It was just smart business. And also, I've kind of thought about this more 
Copper's been pretty good in the second line center role. I don't know how much I'm willing to give up some of those premium assets just to bump him down. I'm willing to get a third line center, but I agree. I kind of like the top six the way it is right now. And your biggest trade line acquisition is going to be Gabe Landeskog. That's going to be your biggest trade deadline. That's how you have to look at Landeskog right now. I don't think we see him at the earliest March. I think that is the most optimistic possible timeline I can possibly think of. Until after the trade deadline. Yeah. Because then they'll have to figure out, like, do we just keep him on LTIR or what? Um, Because I, I agree with you. Like, I think we're both on the same page where it's not, it's not going to be a big the number one player on the market. That's just not who the abs are. They just aren't that way. Um, I, I, I could see Boston going out and getting both. Oh, I think New that, Jersey I think that makes perfect sense. I think yeah. Boston and Horvat just, they make perfect sense. They do. Um, but it's just going to be small guys. And we'll be like, Oh, that like at the end of the year, we'll be like, that was just a rock solid trade. Like that was just a good, smart business decision. They'll get a guy who has term um, and we'll, we'll see from there. But I, I would not anticipate the Avs making a big, gigantic move. Yeah. I mean, I think even a guy we saw against the Red Wings that might make sense for the Avs is a guy like Adam Ernie. Like just a a lower end guy, probably going to play third, fourth line minutes. Not going to cost a ton to acquire, but the kind of thing where you look back at the end of the season and be like, yeah, he made some pretty, he made some pretty nice stuff with us with yeah. the apps. I'm, I'm just using that as a potential example adam ernie like players just because the red wings played us and i'm not looking at the entire league right now but just but guys like, like that like there's rumor like people want us to get go get dylan larkin and i'm like i don't think detroit's gonna trade him first off they're not going um, to and also how the hell would that work it, it wouldn't first off uh dylan larkin would be fucking awesome with the abs but that's probably going to be in my opinion i think that's going to be more expensive than what bo horvath gets traded oh for. absolutely because if you're trading for larkin you're not letting him walk like it's it, it'd be interesting so i i just there's going to be guys that you'll be like oh that was just a smart trade and we'll get more as it goes on but we know the abs are going to be buyers like we, we know they're going to be buyers um and we'll see who they get. I just, I haven't heard too much about players who are available. Like you didn't hear about Cogliano being available until that trade was made official. Like, like you could probably guess just because the sharks were out of it and they were going to start moving guys. But like, even when we get closer to the deadline, there are going to be guys that we don't even think about that are going to be on this team afterwards. Right. And it's going to be, it, it, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, I think the Avs, it's going to have to be like, they are not going to move that first round pick unless they absolutely have to. They could say, fuck it to the second through seventh round picks, which they've done. But that first round pick is just too vital. Yeah. And we've seen teams like Florida just give up their whole, like Florida has no future. They, they have nothing, absolutely nothing right and now. And they're not even in the playoffs right now. They right. All that. They barely snuck by the caps, got destroyed by Tampa, and they're fighting for their lives right, right. now. In the Eastern, I, they're not breaking into that top three in the Atlantic. No way. No chance. And but it's it, like it's a dogfight for the rest of the wild card. And it's going to be like I, I just don't see Chris McFarland and Joe Sackick doing that. They they are yeah. not going to mortgage the future because you have a majority of this core locked up for term, like you do. Like the thing that's going to be interesting, like what do you do with Devon Taves? Like, I, I think we're still a bit of ways away from that. We're a bit of ways away from that, but that's going to be an interesting conversation. Um, that's that is very much a next season topic. Yeah, 
That is, but it's going to be it's going to be fun. Uh, I, I think the Avs are they're going to make the smart moves. There's I really haven't done too much research on what players are going to be available quite yet, um, but I imagine it's going to be just some smart moves where you move like a third round or a fourth round pick, or God forbid they trade like Curtis McDermott for someone. Yeah. Uh, well, there's also the thing. Uh, do do you know the picks we have in this upcoming draft already? Isn't it like a fourth, a fifth, and a first? Not even that. We got our first, which is great. And then our fifth, our sixth, and our seventh. Well, why don't we just trade next year's second? Nope. What about next year's third? Nope. Next 2024 draft, first, fourth, sixth, seventh. So draft capital, it's not quite there at the moment. But I mean, maybe you trade like a, a guy like Cout and get like a fifth or sixth round pick for him or like a prospect swap. I, um, I think the best you hope for for Cout is you get a Martin Cout of another team in a prospect. Right swap i don't think anyone's moving picks for that yeah i don't think so either but but that's gonna be interesting the thing is like you can't trade your first because you look at the prospect pool now we've got four players that i can confidently say that these are probably nhlers it's probably at the top for me at least as oscar alausen after that we're talking sean barons john luke foodie eustace ananen and then after that we're we're really getting down into stretching territory at that. Yeah. Someone can always surprise me. I am well on the record as saying that I don't know shit about prospects. That is very much my blind spot in hockey is prospects are far out of my reach. But based on everything I've seen outside of those four guys, especially now that we we've kind of given up on Martin Cout being too much more at this point, especially at his age, and we've seen what he is in the NHL at this point, we got four guys at the moment. I think you got to hold on to that first round pick and just see what it ends up being. Hopefully it's the 32nd pick. Hopefully. Fingers but crossed. Even then, if you if you give up on that pick, you don't have a lot to work with to get back into this draft. And this is a very good draft. I think just in terms of long-term stability, which is something we talked about with Kadri and everything, you really got to have a deal that totally blows you away. Yeah. And I, I just don't know if that's going to be made available yet. Yeah, I just don't. So um, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I'm excited for we're going to have more trade deadline talk as we get closer. But yeah. that was just a good little preview of it. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about in that Red Wings game? I think we kind of touched on everything. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess stars came out of, to play. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a Red Wings thing, but it's starting to get floated around that Darren Helm might be done for the season. Like it's not confirmed yet. He's not an LTIR or anything. But the fact that we're already at that point where we're discussing like, oh, this might be it is a little unfortunate obviously it's just sad man because he it sounds like he was pretty much done after last year like he he was good good he was done he accomplished everything you can in hockey go out on top um and he kind of got talked back into he wanted to go one more run with this team and he just couldn't rehabilitate this core muscle injury um and it's a big time bummer because it's sad because that's usually how professional sports work. Like very few players get to go out like on their own terms. Um, and it, I wish Darren, like hindsight's 2020, you would have loved yeah. to just see him retire like, and call it good. Yeah. When you, but, when you still have that love for the game, like Darren, Darren Helm clearly loves hockey. Oh yeah. He loves it's being around hard. the boys. It's hard to let go. Cause that would have been a storybook ending for Darren Helm. Right. He scores that goal against St. Louis to send us to the third round. He has that killer final against Tampa ends it with his second Stanley cup. And just like, you can't, you can't even script that kind of thing for him. 
He comes back for one more year. And this is the exact quote from Bednar saying that Helm re-injured what he had surgery on, sets all intertwined. And while Helm is being reevaluated, there is concern that he could possibly be done for the season, which is concerning before we really even know like what the extent is when it's first floated out there, like, oh shit, this could be it. Right. It's a big time bummer, man. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I didn't think I'd be this bummed about like, if you had told me like last year that like, I'd be bummed about Darren Helm missing the season. Like it's, it's a, it's a bummer, man. Like yeah. he, and he's good. Like he yeah. came back for, I don't know. I forget how exactly how many games, but he was good when he was, yeah. back. I mean, he's not a goal scorer. He's not going to put up a ton of points, but God does damn, his job. God damn. If he doesn't do his job. So if Helm is able to come back, great. But at, at this point in your career, you got your cups, you got your money and everything. Like, obviously do obviously do your best to come back. That's never what I'm going to say is don't try. But if this is it, maybe don't fight it. I, I hope he was at practice today, uh, just watching. Yeah. And I... I see. Don't you just envision like Darren Helm being like the next, like he's just going to be a front office guy. Oh yeah. Like, Darren Helm is very clearly a smart human being. Yeah. So he'll, he'll get some sort of job, but I hope he comes back, man. I love Darren Helm. He, he just plays such a vital role for this team. Um, but hindsight's 2020. If he would have hung it up after last year, you would have been like, that's a hell of a career, man. Like you went out on top, you scored the biggest goal and what like abs history. Um, like go out on top, but I, I think his love for the game and just being around the this like my favorite thing that I've heard so much about like Av's like interactions is just how much people love being in that locker room. Like there is not you can't catch one player saying a bad thing about the locker room. No. I mean, because the leadership has always been there with Landis Gog and everything. It just feels like you have everything you could possibly right. want in that locker room, especially last year's locker room when you have guys like Kadri and Berkey in there too, who everyone loves and you throw a guy like Darren Helm in there. And then you add a guy like Cogliano in there. It's just a perfect mixture of people. It was just perfect. So it's, it's good for the abs because they've created a culture that's so like welcoming and they do all this stuff, but it's, uh, it's just a big time bummer for Darren Helm. I'm hoping for the best. Um, but if not big diesel, thank you, man. You, you were fucking, you were awesome. Like you're, you're just great. So going from a guy that we genuinely forgot we signed to one of the biggest goals in abs history. And now we're talking like, man, that really sucks about there. And if he can't really is a big time moment. You know who I just thought of that the abs will probably get at the trade deadline uh, is Matt Nieto. I think he's going to be back. That makes a lot of sense. I like Matt Nieto, man. I always like Matt Nieto. I did too. Matt Nieto was always just that kind of guy. Everyone forgot about, but he did enough that you, you always got to love Matt Nieto. Yeah. He's, and he's still got stuff left in the tank. I think what he's at, he's at 15 points so far. So he's got eight goals. And you, you need guys like that on your body. Right. Like you need a guy like that. Right. That's what I'm saying. I think Matt Nieto makes a lot of sense. And I would not be shocked if he's back in an half sweater <laughs> because you know what he is. You know what he is. And it's not like, like when you added back Carl Soderberg and Patrick Nemeth, like Soderberg was over the hill. Like there was a reason why we let him go. Like he, he was over the hill. Um, and Nemeth was just never that good. Like we, he just, we don't, need, good. we don't need to talk about that. Yeah. I, but like I, Matt Nieto, when he left, like he, he was a solid producer for that yeah. team. And now he's like, still doing the same thing in San Jose. It's just, right. he doesn't get talked about because the sharks suck. Yeah, and Matt and he's Nieto's a good not penalty the guy killer. who's single-handedly change that. He's a good penalty killer. Him on the fourth line with Cogliano and O'Connor. I guess that really wouldn't work because you don't have a center, but, um, that'd be, that'd be a pretty solid line. I'd take Matt Nieto back. You know, you know what I just remembered? 
back in the early, early days of this show, my first ever trade deadline preview, I uh, looked at potential options like, ooh, Patrick Nemeth, that could be a good fit. Bring bring <laughs> the former guy. That's one of the very few things I've gotten right, and I regret it every day. <laughs> but you get, you made up for it with Arturi Lekina. You yeah. got that one right. No. The, so. See, I, I get one a year. I get one, one a year. And we'll it's usually hit or miss. It's usually hit or miss, but it, it will go from there. Um, we're getting close to the end of the show. Let's kind of do, because we won't talk to you guys again until Sunday. So there'll be three more games to talk about. Um, against Calgary, we kind of already previewed that. I, I think the Avs win that game. Uh, if they play the way they did, I think Georgiev coming back, that's going to be really, really, I'm interested to see how he plays after almost a week off. Um, see how he comes out. Hopefully he's refreshed and looks good. Uh, but I, I think that's going to be a close game. Uh, I think it's, I must say like two, one abs in overtime. I think it's a low scoring game. I think both teams are going to treat it like a playoff game. I don't envision a ton of chances offensively, uh, but I think the abs win it uh, in overtime. I'm thinking about the same in terms of close. I think it's going to be a higher scoring game just because I don't trust the flames goaltending and the abs are shooting hot right now. I'm going to go four to two. The abs win it in regulation, pretty close game. The abs are probably going to be leading the whole way through in my opinion, but it's going to be a close hard fought game. They get a late one to pull away from it. I think Georgiev, I, I really have to see it just because we haven't seen him have too much right. time off yet, but I think he's, he's just going to be fresher. I think he's going to be reacting to pucks better. He's going to be moving better. And it's not like you just forget how to play goalie after a week. So I think he's going to be perfectly fine after a nice little bit of rest, able to get his his muscles all back in order, able to get his brain screwed back on straight after 10 straight consecutive starts or something ridiculous like that. I think he's going to have a really good game, probably around a 920-ish. I think you're going to get your stars producing still pretty well. And I'm going to say 4-2, the abs win it pretty, pretty solidly. Not not their, not their greatest performance, not anything to write home about, but I think it'll be a good game. I'm hoping that that's the case, and I hope they just play a full 60 minutes and they win this game. I just think it's going to be close, a little scoring. I think it's going to be like a playoff game. I really do. Yeah, um, kind of is with the way the standings are looking yeah. right now because you already have – it's not a huge uphill battle to get into the playoffs, but you got to start winning at some point, and what better way to start than the team who is literally in your way? Couldn't agree more. So – We'll see how that one goes. Uh, Vancouver on Friday, uh, first half of back-to-back. You've lost two to Vancouver. I don't think the abs are going to take them lightly. I think it's kind of a bitter taste in their mouth for how they played against the Canucks last time because, to be honest, they outplayed them for 50 minutes of that game. It was just like a 10-minute spurt where all hell broke loose. Um, I think Frankie gets the nod in net, and I I think the abs win this game big. I think they win it 5-2. Man, I was gonna, I was gonna go bold. I thought you were gonna, I thought you were gonna go with a closer game. So no. I was, I was gonna go with five one. I think the Avs are gonna smoke them in this game. I think they're due for that. The Canucks, they had a really good game the first time against the Avs. I think you got to give them that. It was not the Avs' best game at all. Second one was a total Avs meltdown. If mm-hmm. they played the way they played against Edmonton or against Ottawa or Detroit against Vancouver, they kill them. And I think the Avs are gonna remember how they played in that game against Vancouver, and I think they are gonna, they're gonna light them up. I think it's. I agree. I think, I think they're going to win big, maybe not Ottawa big, but on the road against a Canucks team that is on the verge of death at the moment, where you have yeah. your, your president coming out there being like, "Fuck this team, fuck all of you. I'm trading all of you. I'm getting rid of all of you. I didn't want to say rebuild when I came in here, but now we kind of have to say, even though he called it a retool. retool. Okay, you're talking about trading Thatcher Demko. That's not a retool or anything like that. 
they're on the verge of tearing this team to shreds. Well, they're they're trying to tr- fire Boudreaux already. Yeah, they're going to fire Boudreaux. They're going to bring in Rick Tockett, who is very much a rebuild coach, as we've seen over the last little while. I don't know why Tockett would take that job. I don't know. I, he hasn't he hasn't had a job in a while. Maybe the offers haven't been too frequent. Well, I mean, like him. the Jets. I know he was in with the Jets. I thought that would have made more sense. Like, I don't know why he'd want to leave that cushy T and T job. You know what I mean? Well, Maybe he just want, maybe he just wants to get back into it. Maybe Man. Vancouver's offering a lot of money. So with the way things are going for them and the way things hopefully keep up for with the abs, hopefully beating Calgary, they can carry that momentum into a team that's kind of weirdly given them a lot of trouble this season. Go into their building, smoke them, and just keep the momentum going opposite ways for both sides. I'm gonna go five one. I like it. Uh then you end the road trip with Seattle. Uh we kind of mentioned earlier Seattle has Cooled off a little bit. Um, they lost to the Lightning last night, and then they lost to the Oilers today. Uh, Martin Jones threw up a solid 879 against this game. Um, and the Kraken have been – they've been good lately, but they they seem to be cooling off a little bit. I think that's still going to be a close game. Uh, but I do think the Avs – I think they take care of business. I think they're going to be able to rest some of their guys in that Vancouver game so you don't see McKinnon and McCarr playing like – like McCarr is not going to play 30 minutes – um, I think you see a rested team against the Kraken out to prove it. And I think they win this one big too. I think they win it like, I'm going to say like five, one. I, I, I just don't trust the Kraken goaltending right now. Um, and the abs took them lightly earlier this year. They aren't going to do the same this time. They know what to expect with this Kraken team. I, I think they win that game big. I think it's going to be closer, but I think you bring up a good point. And the Kraken are a road team. They have been a road team all season. Their road record right now, they just had the their road winning streak snapped against the Oilers. But their road record is 16-4-2. Their home record's 10-9-2. They've lost more games at home than they've won. I think this is going to be a closer game, though. Second half of a back-to-back, those are always tougher to predict. And Seattle, they have a lot of games against tired teams coming up, I've seen on their schedule. I think this is the first of many for them. I think this is going to be a pretty close game. I'm going to say the Avs win it 3-2. I think... I. I think I'm leaning overtime, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say regulation. They're gonna win this one three to two in a close. No, I'm gonna go overtime three to two in overtime in a, a close game for a team. Like it's hard on the second half of the back to back. They're gonna be pretty tired towards the end of the game, and the Kraken are a good team, and the Kraken are capable of scoring a lot of goals. It's just I keep waiting for the dam to burst on the Kraken, and they just lose a ton of games. They did for a little bit, then they rally right back with a seven game right. win streak. I'm just waiting for like the wall to come crashing down on them and they go crashing out of the playoffs, but it hasn't happened all season. They're just such a hit or miss team. Sometimes they score eight goals a night. Sometimes they just look so aggressively mediocre. Sometimes Martin Jones looks fantastic. Other times he looks like he did tonight where he can't stop a beach ball. They're just such a hard team to predict right now. I think it's going to be a close, hard fought game. The only thing I can say about the Kraken for sure is, goddamn, they work hard in every they do. game. They are a tough out. I'm going to say the Avs, just based on their talent alone, sneak this one out early in overtime. I don't hate that. I just really think that Val Nachushkin being back helps this team. You get a full Nathan McKinnon, full Kale McCarr. Granted, if nothing goes wrong in these two games before this, we're talking about a game that's four days away. So you, a lot can happen in that time yeah. frame. But I I think it helps the back-to-back that it's not a long flight. I think it's maybe yeah. like a 30 minute flight. So it's not yeah. like you're going to be sitting on a plane right afterwards. Um, I think they're going to get in, get a good night's sleep. 
I just Martin Jones and Gruby have just not been good. Like, like they've been okay recently, but I just think the Kraken they're due to come back down to earth. I think they're still going to be in that playoff picture throughout the whole year, but this team's not first in the Pacific. Good. They're not going to win the Pacific, but they've built themselves enough of a cushion that if they just play decent for the rest, do they not remind you of the Kings from last year? You know that they kind of remind me more like the 13, 14 abs where it's just they're on oh, a ridiculous man. shooting bender right now. Oh, maybe yeah, we talked about that on last episode. Yeah. Like maybe they don't, they don't have the Varlamov goaltending, but they are shooting the lights out right now. And if they do get in the playoffs, I think they're going to get absolutely bounced. But if they just play decent going down the stretch, they They'll can probably get in. Because the Pacific, I, I think Edmonton is going to get into that top three. But I agree. Right now, right now, they are five points up on Edmonton, and they have two games in hand. Same thing for Calgary as well. As long as they just play decent the rest of the way, they're in. They're going to make it. And it's not the question with Vegas. Vegas is getting hit with the injury bug a lot like they did last year. I, If you're a Vegas fan, you got to be a little concerned right now yeah. because this is like almost a repeat of what happened last year. Like They I mean, started we, off so good last year. We've talked a lot of trash about the Kings this season. They could very well win the division. Very well. Like they I, are, they're tied with Seattle right now at 56 points. Vegas has a game in hand on them right now, and Seattle has three games in hand on them. But when the dust settles, if Seattle comes crashing down and Vegas just keeps suffering through injuries, like we're, we'll see when Mark Stone comes back at all because we're already having that discussion again. Eichel's been hurt a lot this season. Logan Thompson's coming back down to earth. Yeah, and if the Kings can just get saves, we could very well be talking about the Kings winning this division. Yeah, and that it would be hilarious because I do not think the Kings are like a dangerous team at all. But uh, I think I think their goaltending sours them a bit. Right. I, actually, I actually think they're a really good team that just has not been able to stop a beach ball. I'm kind of surprised they didn't claim Nendelkovich the other day. Actually, I'm not that surprised. Nendelkovich hasn't been very good. Well, they got Peterson already big money in the minors, so they don't yeah. really need to add another guy. Yeah, they have. They already have Nendelkovich pretty much for yeah. like the exact same contract. But I might have been wrong about the Pacific being better. It's probably the most interesting division. It is. It is because. I still think like the abs have a chance to get into the top three in the central. I wouldn't put it past I, them because I they're going, they yeah, they're going to go on a bender here soon. And hopefully we're at the start of one right now. Um, and I, I think they can get in. And I mean, Dallas and Winnipeg have built themselves a pretty good lead. It's going to be tough to track them down. But if you're telling me if we face those teams in the playoffs, I'd still take the abs. Yeah. Like, I like, Minnesota is the most interesting team to me. Philip Gustafson has definitely helped take them to another level. They're worse than they were last year, but they just keep seeming to find ways to win most of the time. Like tonight against the Caps, they should not have won that game, but they did a good job screening Charlie Lindgren on all their goals. And they just keep finding ways to to win stupid stupid hockey games every now and again. And I keep expecting them to be closer to the division lead than they are. So, I mean, they got two games in hand. They're five points back. Yeah. So I, I actually wouldn't be too surprised if Minnesota ends up being the team we're chasing towards the very end of it. But Dallas and Winnipeg, like, they're just – they're solid right now. Winnipeg, I always feel like, is doing worse than they actually are. Like, oh, they lost a game tonight. I guess they're not doing too well. Then they look. They're like 8-2 and two in right. their last 10. Like, they just always seem to be doing well. Dallas never goes on – too long losing streaks or anything. They're six, three and one in their last 10. It's going to be a legitimate challenge to not only win the division, to get into the top three. Cause those are, those are solid teams right now. I think all of them make the playoffs. Absolutely. So the abs, 
it's going to have to start against Calgary where you really have got to start stringing some wins together because now we're halfway through the season. Now the racetrack is getting close. You're not too far out of it. You're going to make the playoffs. That is not at all a concern in my mind that we're going to miss the playoffs. It's just a matter of where, because if they play good the rest of the season, they'll easily finish first wild card. I, I think that's worst case scenario is you finish first wild card, but I think it's going to be a fight the rest of the way. And you know what? Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing that you, you spend the rest of the regular season battling for that spot. And it helps you get over a cup hangover a little bit. And then you go into the playoffs ready for war. You, I think to win another cup, you're going to have to go through Minnesota. I think it's going to, that's the way it's going to have to be this time. I wouldn't be shocked if we played them in round one. That'd be a fun matchup. It'd be fun. Those would be electric games, but um, we'll see. We, we got a long ways to go. It's crazy. I think we're only halfway through. It feels like we're at like 65 game mark already. Right. And I think my goal for this season, my, my bare minimum goal is I want to be ahead of Minnesota. I think that's my benchmark right now. Dallas and Winnipeg, they just never seem to come down. And maybe that leads a little too tough to catch up on. I just want to be above Minnesota, not for petty reasons, but I think you're going to play them. So I want to have that home ice. Home ice is big. I agree. Um, but if anything, this team was better on the road in the playoffs last year. So yeah. <laughs> who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get there. We, we got some time. Uh, but I, I think we figured out why the Avs were losing more. Uh, I was able to go to both of these games and sit in my normal seat. So I, I hand up that that's, that's on me guys for not, uh, for not being, uh, at the games, but I promise I will, uh, I'll be there more because it obviously worked. I think I've only watched them lose once this year. Yeah, I've, I've got no, I've got no plane tickets to Colorado, yeah. so don't worry. I'm not going to be there anytime soon. If at all, we'll see. Yeah. Cause I, uh, cause I, yeah. I, I, the one game they lost was the Kraken. That's the one game I've been to that they lost. So, yeah, hand up. I'll start going to the games more. I forget how much I like it when I'm there. It's just the process of getting down there is such a pain in the ass. Um, but when I'm there, there's nothing better than ball. Ring. Like, every game is sold out now. Like, every time they announce the attendance, it's like, another sell. And you're like, Jesus Christ, man. I remember when there was like 10,000 people in these stands. It's crazy and, what uh, winning does. Yeah, it's crazy. But, uh yeah, I'm gonna try and make it to more games, and it should be a uh, should be a fun time going forward. But uh, yeah, I got nothing else for this episode, man. I think I'm yeah. feeling pretty good. I think we're all good for this one. A great win for the Avs against the Red Wings that just really made it look like they're they're back in form, and a really important three game road swing coming up in Western North America against Calgary, Vancouver, and Seattle. I think it's important. I, I think they're gonna win all three of them. You can't lose more than one, I would say. Right. Like, I think you can get the leeway for one hot goalie. Things are going wrong. Bounces are not going your way. You you get one. After that, especially Calgary's been okay. I think you got to beat Vancouver. That's the, you have to. That's like the I don't want to hear it if you lose that game. Seattle is just such a hit or miss that I have a tough time predicting that one. I think they're going to win all three, but I think it's going to be they're going to be fun games to watch. But this really is the test before we can say definitively that the abs are back or did let's they be real. They're probably going to go one, one and one. <laughs> That's probably what's going to happen. And we'll come on here and be like, well, there were parts of that road trip that were good, but then you lose that one game where you're like, damn that you could have won that game. I have a feeling like if we come on Sunday and we're like, yeah, they went one, one and one, we'll be like, hey, we're kind of in the same spot we were last week. I think the Calgary game is going to be the most important one. That sets, that sets the tone for the whole thing. If you go out there and you win in, especially in regulation against Calgary, that sets you up real nicely the rest of the way. I think they definitely beat Vancouver. 
and then you're two and zero, and then you go up against Seattle. If you beat them, great. If you get a point, that's okay. If you lose, well, at least you won the other two. Right. So four of six points on this road trip is massive. Yeah. And then you're back home against Washington, Anaheim, and St. Louis next week before you really get into the weeds of February. That's why I think like you got to take care of business here because February is going to get tough. And after February, schedule gets easier, but there's not a lot of racetrack left. Not a lot. So you need to get going, but I, I think they will. I agree with you. I think they win all three and we're coming on here talking on Sunday about, yeah, the after back. I certainly agree. So we're going to wrap this one up here while the Avs are on a road trip. They're going to have some home games coming up real soon. If you want to get in on the action, use promo code tell it abs. It is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 more. Great way to save you some money, help you go to an abs game. It just helps out the show. We would appreciate it. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore belay, and you can follow the show at tell it as it is thank you all so very much for tuning in as always and we will catch you all next time for the rare three game episode which are always a lot of fun because we have so much to keep track of and honestly most of the time we just don't so we'll see you guys then thank you so much for joining us we'll catch you next time but until then let's go abs